Hello, my friends, from a beautiful, gorgeous November 1st day in Tyler, Texas. This is Bill Allen, and I appreciate you joining in. We are going through the book of Philippians on Sunday afternoons. I share a little bit at uh, 4 p.m. on my Facebook page, and then we post it to that page and to our West Irwin Live Facebook page. But many of you are likely watching this at 6 p.m. Central Time online on our westerwin.com live streaming page. That's exactly the same place where our Sunday morning worship services are and can be found every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time, including uh, my sermons that are there. And then, of course, on our archive page at westerwin.com under our social media and resources um, link to our um, live stream page. There's uh, an archive link that you can see all kinds of messages. Uh, my sermons go back to 2016, if you can imagine that, and we have lots and lots of our Bible studies that we've been doing over the past year during this pandemic year of 2020, including uh, Facebook studies from um, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew earlier in the year, and then Acts over the summer, and uh, so far this year on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. Uh, continuing to do that, but with the study of the Old Testament book of Psalms. So uh, that's going on. And then these, of course, are uh, posted live, sort of, on our live stream page at 6 p.m. Central Time. And uh, so hopefully you're able to find these. And I appreciate everyone's encouragement. Lots of folks join in. Some folks say hello. And all of that is a, is a great, great blessing and encouragement to me. I get to see some uh, wonderful, familiar faces and friends and names that pop up occasionally and comment occasionally, and that's, that's quite a blessing. So whether you're watching it live or as I'm uh, sharing this or if you're watching it as it's repeated a little bit later, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm very much uh, humbled by the response that these lessons have gotten. Our ministers have really worked hard this year to try to uh, provide opportunities for Bible study and for uh, prayer and for encouragement with, with each other, even though uh, it's been so difficult for some to get out. I received an encouraging note from one of our uh, West Irwin members this morning who said he really appreciated the message and he's a wonderful person with a great gift of encouragement, J.D. Osborne. And he shared that he's not able to, to be here, but uh, wanted to express a great appreciation for the message and the lesson. And what a blessing uh, this uh, Internet is and what a blessing it is to have online lessons such as this one and, uh, and others as well. My dear sister in Christ, Julia. Uh, from um, Ukraine is there. Oh, I love seeing your name, and I love seeing that Ukrainian flag, and oh, my heart aches, aches for all of you. Um, she is a preacher's wife in, um, in Ukraine. Uh, she and Sasha, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. In fact, he and I, I believe, played a little guitar together uh, during one of my trips out uh, to Ukraine to work with the summer youth Bible camps with Eastern European Mission and Julia and Sasha. They continue to be a wonderful ministry family in, in Ukraine, and may God bless and be with you all there. As we talk about how difficult this year has been here in America, it's nothing like what you all have experienced over the last several years, and what a blessing and encouragement you are to all of us. So I pray for God's blessing to you, and I hope that you're able to 
um, uh, look at our website and and uh, listen to the sermon from this morning. And I hope you all are as well, because it was uh, it was an important sermon, one of the most important sermons I believe that I preached in quite some time. They're all important, of course, uh, but this message um, uh, entitled "In God Do We Trust," uh, with this being election week here in uh, the United States. We, um, I think, believe, hopefully, I said some helpful things. I said some very important things. Uh, but one of the things is, is that we must never stop praying and uh, acknowledge that our prayers, uh, because we pray, it's an acknowledgement that we trust in God. And that is, um, that is exactly what needs to happen. Our, our faith that looks up to Calvary, our faith looks up to a resurrected Lord, uh, no matter what the governing and political situations are. And so I hope that you'll take a um, 30 or 35 minutes to listen to that message uh, from this morning and to continue to be prayerful for all of all of the things that are going on in our country this week and all of the things that are going on around the world as all of the world deals with this novel coronavirus, COVID-19, uh, in 2020. And it looks like it's going to be around for a while still. I, I do want to share a little bit today as we are looking at the book of Philippians. This is not exactly a, a sidetrack of a lesson because it's actually based on Philippians 3, verse 20. It's a verse that we looked at this past Sunday as we kind of covered this section of Philippians chapter 3. And so I, you know, I want us to, uh, to consider this and to consider um, this call as the book of Philippians is to rejoice in the Lord always and to find joy even in the difficult times. And I've been trying to focus on that throughout these studies on Sunday afternoons from the book of Philippians. And so I want, to, I want us to begin with that section uh, that we looked at and, and zoom in on verse 20 more so than we did last Sunday, knowing full well that here in America, uh, the um, election, uh, um, November 3rd, this coming Tuesday is election day, although many, many people have already voted here in our state of Texas um, the early voting has ceased as of this past Friday, but um, before the, the polls closed, before the voting places were closed Friday night, um, Texas has surpassed the number of votes that it had in all of the election in 2016. So even before we get to Election Day, uh, there's already been more Texans that have voted uh, in this year's election of 2020. So that's a great thing. It's wonderful to see people using that wonderful blessing that we have uh, to vote. People have have um, risked their lives so that we can live in a democratic republic, and what a blessing that is. Uh, people are risking their lives even still, as I shared in a prayer this morning uh, during our worship service at the end of my ser sermon, uh, that we have medical workers, we have law enforcement workers, we have uh, civil and other and political authorities who um, have volunteered and who have said, I will, I will help and I will serve. And what a blessing you and all of your families are to all of the rest of us. So with that being said, Philippians chapter 3, a few thoughts uh, from these verses uh, about our citizenship being in heaven. Um, and Philippians 3, verses 17 through 21. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destination is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. 
Their mind is set on earthly things. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. As we've said all along, this book of Philippians, as best we can tell, is written while Paul is under house arrest, incarcerated, but having some freedom to be able to preach and to see people and have people come and go, that Luke records at the end of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 28. He's in the capital city of the empire in Rome. He has appealed to Caesar. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. And, uh, and so he's there waiting for that uh, trial, waiting to, uh, for Caesar to give his judgment on whether Paul should live or die, basically. And as we have seen already in Philippians, starting in chapter 1, he acknowledges uh, that he is writing from incarceration. It's kind of hard to say he's writing from prison, but he is writing uh, from uh, being uh, under arrest and held. Um, uh, basically against his will. He can't go, come and go as he would like. Uh, and waiting uh, for that judgment. And he feels, he believes that that judgment will be, that he will be released this time. Uh, the next time around when he finds himself in Rome waiting to be uh, for Caesar's judgment, uh, Nero will say guilty and will have him put to death. But this time probably not. And so as he writes to the Philippians, he writes a, an epistle of joy. It's amazing that he's here he is incarcerated unjustly, and yet he writes and he reminds them, hey, look, everything that's happening to me is for the glory of God. Everything that's happening to me is so that the kingdom of God and the gospel can be increased and can get out there. And for that I rejoice and I continue to rejoice, he says in chapter 1. Let God take care of the motives of people, but I'm just going to keep doing what he wants me to do. And that's a great great mantra for all of us to live by in this very difficult time, in this very difficult year. And then when we do get to chapter 4, which we will starting next week, um, he says that we are to rejoice in the Lord always, whatever the external circumstances, because the external circumstances can't take away our inner joy and peace that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. And so he talks in this passage about um, about what's going on in his life. And he looks around and he says, you know, there's a lot of people that have uh, bad motives. There are a lot of people who whose God is not the Lord, whose God is not the Lord. And he makes that interesting statement. He says their God is their stomach <laughs> and they are doomed to destruction. And I don't think, as we've said, I don't think he's just speaking specifically about uh, people who are, you know, more in love with food than they are with the Lord. But I think he's just talk, uh, he's just contrasting the physical or carnal with the immortal. And he does that a lot. He does that to uh, the Colossians in chapter 3, saying, Set your minds on things above, on heavenly things, and not on earthly things. And he does that uh, in, in several places. And he reminds us that, that we are, we're serving the living God, even though we are still on this earth. And that's what makes this difficult. And so as he contrasts being carnal-minded, physically-minded, with being spiritually-minded and uh, having our minds uh, and our love and our hearts and our uh, devotion on, on the Lord in heaven, he still reminds us that and acknowledges that, well, that's true, but we're still here. We're still here in this world. And that's, that's where the difficulty, that's where the tension comes in. How do you live faithfully to God 
when your citizenship is in heaven, why you still have citizenship here on this earth. It may be Ukrainian citizenship, like so many of my dear, dear friends and brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in Ukraine are. It may be American citizenship, like most of you who are listening and watching uh, this Bible study would would say. And so, how do we how do we do that? How do we maintain um, our recognizing our citizenship is in heaven and have heavenly values uh, at the same time living them out in the world and living them out, recognizing that we we have an earthly citizenship as well. The fact that Paul says this in Rome, in Philippians 3, verse 20, that our citizenship is in heaven, is not meant to deny that we have citizenship status uh, here on earth as well, wherever that is, whatever your country is. And so I want us to check to chat about that a little bit, about heavenly and American uh, citizenship, with apologies to my dear friends whose citizenship is in other nations of the world. And what a blessing, again, uh, my friendship with you is uh, amazing. Love you and miss you so very much. So a few thoughts about our heavenly and earthly citizenship. And I will encourage you to go on our website or uh, I'm going to post my a link to my sermon from this morning on my Facebook page uh, probably a little bit later today. And so I hope that you'll be able to um, uh, to listen in on that and to let me know what you think uh, with a Facebook comment or message or an email um, or a text message. What great times we live in that we have so many different ways to communicate. Um, we shared some scriptures in our Bible class this morning as we kind of had this discussion as well uh, with about 45 or 50 of our adults in a Bible class kind of chatting about this. And we began with looking at the biblical background because there's a lot in scripture in the New Testament, including this passage, about, um, about what it means to live in both places, <laughs> to have one foot in the world and one foot in heaven, but recognizing that you have a connection to both. Um, Peter would write in First Peter about them being resident aliens, as the great uh, William Willimon and Stanley Hauerwas wrote in their book, Resident Aliens. It's a, it is, it, it's an, an acknowledgement that we're immigrants in this world, that our citizenship ultimately is in heaven. But at the same time, we're going to be here for a while. And so how do we how do we do that? How do we do that? And our situation, I think, is not unlike uh, the, the people who were living in exile during the times of Jeremiah and Habakkuk, when Jeremiah wrote a letter uh, to the exiles in Babylon. He was still in Jerusalem, but there were many of the Jews, most all of the Jews, in fact, who had been taken into exile uh, to Babylon. And so he wrote them a letter and he said, hey, look, you're going to be there a while. You might as well get comfortable, find you a job, buy some land, put down some roots uh, as because it's going to be 70 years. And that's a long time. And and so he told them, hey, look, live your life and pray, pray for the land where you are and try to try to help it because that that will be better uh, for you. And actually, it, it is better for uh, the, the cause of, of God as well. And here in New Testament times, now we recognize, as Peter tells us, that we're resident immigrants, resident aliens. We're, our citizenship is in heaven. 
But at the same time, we're not there right now. <laughs> so our citizenship is also here on the earth. And, and that's a human citizenship, first of all. And then secondly, it is a citizenship of some nation. And, and by being somewhere, even if you're not a citizen of that nation, by being there, you are still subject to their laws and to living in that land. And so what, is that, what does that mean for the Christian? And, uh, and, and there are lots of passages. Jesus dealt with that as he was asked, should we give our taxes to repay our taxes or not? And he said, well, yeah. And as you know from Matthew 22, that great passage where he's questioned about this in order to trap him. And they were constantly trying to trap him. And I think Matthew at, in chapter 22 brings a lot of that out. And then he pronounces all those woes on them in chapter 23. But one of the questions they ask him is, should we pay taxes or not? And so he says, hey, show me a coin. Whose image is on it? Whose inscription? And they said, well, that's Caesar. And so that's when he says that great, well-known line, well, then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And the problem is we sometimes try to give to Caesar what belongs to God. And that's, that's not right. That's not right. Uh, and that's when we've gone too far. Um, I want to share a little bit about that, but just to know that the, uh, a great book on, on living in, in the culture and the ethics of living day to day, Christ and culture from years and years, centuries ago or decades ago, uh, tells us that we, we can't accommodate ourselves to the culture and become just like them, but nor can we avoid it and be faithful. Uh, we're tempted to do that, but we have to remember in John 17 when Jesus prayed to the Father, he didn't pray that he would take us out of the world. He prayed that he acknowledged that he was sending us into the world just like the Father had sent him into the world. And he's doing it for the same reason, out of love. John 3.16 says it was love that motivate the, motivated the Father to give his one and only Son so that by believing in him and through the obedience of faith, we could, we could live forever. And in the same way, the Son has sent us into the world, not to isolate ourselves from the world, but neither to become just like the world. And again, that's, that's the tension. We have an earthly citizenship and place, but we recognize that our ultimate home is in heaven. And lots of other passages of Scripture that bring that out, passages such as Romans 13, which you're probably very familiar with, and 1 Peter 2, perhaps a little less familiar with, but very important, I think. 1 Timothy 2, that tells us that we need to pray for our leaders. Um, the Old Testament passage of 2 Chronicles 7 that I think is misused a lot because it's written in a very specific time to the children of Israel in the times of King Solomon, the son of King David, who had just built the temple and now was dedicating it. And and God says, hey, look, if you'll, if you'll be faithful to me, you'll have blessings. If you are unfaithful to me, then you won't. And that was the same message that Moses had shared uh, at the end of his life in Deuteronomy. And it's the same message that we have even today. But at that time, they were a theocracy, not a democracy. They were a, a theocratic land. Their citizenship was uh, the people of God. Um, and the... Their constitution was the law, the law of Moses, and we don't live in a land where the Bible strictly is equated and equal with our governing law, such as the constitution. And that's probably a good thing because we don't want the government telling us how to follow our God and serve him and worship him. We want 
to be able to have the freedom to make that choice and decision on our own. And for us to have that blessing, others have to have that blessing as well. And that means people who disagree with us uh, get that option. And that's that's a difficult uh, a difficult thing. And again, that that means tension in the land. Um, and so uh, that's part of of what we deal with here. Um, and so uh, we continue on and lots of scriptures where um, uh, Jesus warns us about what it means to be his disciple in the world. Acknowledging in that great passage in John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And as I shared this morning in our Bible class, you know, there's good news and bad news with that. The good news is Jesus has overcome the world. The bad news is he had to die to do that. He was crucified. And that's how that happened. And so he says, look, the master isn't any better than the servant. They gave me a lot of trouble and caused me to suffer. And they might do that to you as well. Um, And so with that kind of broad uh, background, let's just let's just take a few minutes here and and share a little bit uh, about that and what it means to have heavenly and American heavenly and earthly citizenship. So first of all, we'll acknowledge what Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and that's true. He says that, states that clearly. And I think what he's talking about in Philippians 3 is our values and and our mission and our purpose in life. What is our purpose in life? We've talked about that over the last couple of weeks here in Philippians chapter 3. And and we're for Paul, he says, hey, look, I'm my everything I'm about is to is to press on to know Christ, to be um, yes, if it means joining him and having fellowship with him and suffering, then okay. But especially to to be a part of the resurrection with him for eternity, and that's and that's our goal. Um, this world is not my home. We sing, we are pilgrims. We're just passing through. We are resident immigrants. Uh, this isn't our home forever, but it's our home for now, and we'll talk about that next. Our citizenship is in heaven. Remember Jesus when in John 14, when he told his disciples, hey, look, I'm going to go away for a while, but I want you to know that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Uh, in my father's house, as the traditional translation goes, in my father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare one for you so that where I am, there you may be also. Well, that place is not here. That place is in heaven. That place is around the throne of God, as Revelation gives us that incredible picture. It is to be um, take off this physical body and to be transformed into a spiritual body that can never be destroyed and will live forever. And to be constantly around the throne of God, uh, worshiping him and praising the one who is worthy, the one who has saved us, the one who made it possible for us to live forever. Um, great passages such as 1 Thessalonians 4 and 2 Corinthians 5 remind us that our citizenship is in heaven. But secondly, as the great and wonderful and beautiful and so talented Carrie Underwood would say, one of our favorites, uh, her incredible song, if you haven't heard it, then I would recommend getting Siri or Google to, to let you listen to it. This is my temporary home. Uh, our citizenship is in heaven, but we're not there right now. And so this earth, this existence, this physical existence is our temporary home. 
It's not, we're not here forever, but we're here for now. And it looks like we're here for a while. If Jesus, if the father decided to tell the son, Jesus, I want you to go down there before this election on Tuesday, that would be a-okay with me. <laughs> we were laughing about that this morning after the, after our worship service, a few of us were. That would be a-okay. That'd be just fine. That would be great. Uh, but as it looks right now, it's likely that he's not going to do that. Second Peter 3 says the reason he hasn't done that is because of his mercy. Because every day that he allows this world to continue is another day that sinners are given the opportunity to repent. God doesn't want anyone to die, that passage says, but he wants everyone to turn and to change and to come to him in repentance. And that's what we want, too. And so with that in mind, we're okay with him giving us all another day, but especially those who have never named the name of Christ. And a part of having our citizenship in heaven and this earth being our temporary home is that we speak out for the cause of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others who have not accepted him as their Lord, who have not responded in faith, who have not uh, repented and changed their life uh, to turn away from living for sin and self and to live for God and to love others and to be baptized in, in the name of Christ by his authority, uh, to die to sin and be buried with Christ through baptism into death and raised to live a new life. That's what we want for everyone. And each day that Jesus does not come is another opportunity to, to help others see what it means to trust in Jesus and to helpfully encourage them, even maybe even sharing a message of faith with them so that they will do the same. This world is not my home. Our citizenship is in heaven, but this world is our temporary home. We are here and we are here for a while. And so we live that way. Paul himself sought protection as a Roman citizen. You remember that, right? When the Jews were trying to get him and capture him and, and they, they arrested him and then they nearly killed him without a trial. And so the Roman authorities arrest him and say, what is going on here? And Paul announces to them, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. I'm a Roman citizen by birth. And that was something that was special. Even the uh, uh, the commander that he was talking to said, hey, look, I paid a lot for my citizenship. And Paul says, yeah, well, my parents were already Roman citizens. I've been a citizen since birth. And that caused them to kind of draw back a little bit and to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's figure out what's going on here uh, in Acts chapters 20 and 21 and 22. And that, that whole scenario that ultimately lands him on a ship in the Mediterranean Sea going to appear before the Roman emperor. And so as he's talking to them, he says, hey, look, I, you don't need to release me to the Jews. Those people want to kill me without a trial. I'm, I'm right where I need to be, protected as a Roman citizen uh, under the protection of the Roman rule of law. And so when the governor in uh, Caesarea asks him, uh, um, uh, Felix first and then Festus and, and King Agrippa, when they talk to him and they say, hey, this guy's nothing worthy of being incarcerated, much less worthy of being put to death like these Jews want. Um, Paul, do you want us to release you? And he says, no, no, you release me. It's a death sentence. I'm a Roman citizen. I appeal to Caesar. I have that right. And they said, well, you sure do. And so the governor says, uh, you have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you shall go. And that's exactly how the book of Acts uh, ends. 
Uh, Paul took advantage of that, but it goes farther. We care about this earth. Yes, this is our temporary home, but that doesn't mean we don't care about it. And I think Christians and the church, sometimes we've brought some uh, disfavor upon the Lord and upon his cause by acting as if we don't care anything about this earth and people's lives and situations on this earth because our citizenship is in heaven and our mansion is over the hilltop and so we don't care what happens here. Well, that's just not true. Just not true. Jesus did. He lived his whole life as in ministry uh, to help and to serve and to make this place a better place for everyone he came in contact with. And so should we. We seek to do that um, as well. And and so uh, we care about this earth and we care about the different things that go on. And we want those things to be uh, to be something that God uh, blesses this earth because of us, not in spite of us. And so we do we do care. Jesus tells us to be the light of the world tells us to be the salt of this earth. And he tells us that by living a, a faithful life, he tells us this in Matthew 5 and 1 Peter 2, look in the midst of all of that, people will see how you live and how you care about others and how you love your neighbor as yourself because of your commitment to Christ. Not, not saying that that commitment to Christ gives us permission for some strange reason to not be good citizens, to not be good neighbors, um, it's unbelievable that somehow that that thinking gets across, and so we want to be we want to be faithful. We know God cares a lot about this earth, and He cares even more about the people that He has created in His image who live on this earth right now. Whether they're in Ukraine, like my dear friends Sasha and Julia and Katya and uh, uh, another Sasha and so many others. Oh, my heart just uh, aches for you all. Um, but he also wants us to care about the people that are right around us and to seek to share a way uh, to help their lives in this world and to share a word from the Lord so that it can help their lives for eternity. That's what we want. So our citizenship is in heaven. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. But this is my temporary home. Uh, this world is our our world for now. And so we have citizenship in heaven and we have citizenship on this earth. Um, and so where does that leave us? Well, that leaves us back in Philippians chapter one, where Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain because our citizenship is in heaven. When we die, it is it is the beginning. It is not the end. It is it is a trans uh, a transfer from this life to the life in the presence of the Father. And so we don't wish for that to happen soon because of no one wants to die and to experience that pain and that separation. But at the same time, we pray that God would send his son and would relieve this, this earth. Uh, Paul speaks in, in Romans 8 about how even the creation is experiencing uh, the pains of childbirth waiting, waiting for that regeneration uh, that will come when God delivers us from all of the physical and takes us into the realm of the spiritual. Um, to live here is Christ, however. To die is gain, that's true. But to live is Christ. And so we want people to see that our citizenship is in heaven and we want them to see that we care deeply about them here in this life. 
in this world. We care deeply about the people around us. And we care deeply about what goes on. And that's why we pray about this election here in America on Tuesday. That's why we pray for the souls in in nations like Ukraine that have suffered so much uh, tragedy that they have that is unjust, that they have no business having to suffer through, and yet they have. But they do that with faith. We do that with faith. Um, To live is Christ. This is my temporary home. To die is gain. Our citizenship is in heaven. I know you join me in praying uh, for our our, uh, civil authorities. I know you join me in praying for our our first responders, including our law enforcement, that are going to be taxed to the limit in the days and nights ahead. We know that. And we pray for them and for their families. And I know you join me in, um, in praying that the church will be the church and that we will accept that call from God uh, to be the salt of this earth and to be the light of this world. Amen.